0: Welcome to the Dangerous Women Podcast. My name is Sophie Norris, and I am co founder of the Dangerous Women Collective, a cohort of fabulous, talented, dangerous women created with the ambition of bringing women together to help and empower one another however they can. On today's episode, we're chatting with award winning entrepreneur Wendy Shand. Now the chief strategist at business crisis consultancy Impact Resilience, Wendy's impressive career has spanned consumer and B2B industries and global audiences. In 2006, Wendy founded the UK's leading family-friendly international travel brand, Tots to Travel, the story of which you're going to hear in just a few minutes. Her success over the last 15 years has been in identifying a valuable niche within a competitive marketplace and then creating a strategy and compelling engaging and commercial consumer brand to address it. Wendy, thank you so much for being here. Uh, You and I, as you know, have worked together for a really long time. Uh, You've been clients, we've been colleagues, and we are now, I think, friends, which is really exciting. So I'm absolutely delighted that you could join us for the Dangerous Women podcast today. I know all about you, but everybody listening doesn't. And you have a really amazing journey of who you are as a military wife and a mother and the businesses that you've started and the journey that you've been on. So would you mind sharing that with everybody?
1: Oh, my goodness. There's so much there. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. I love being a dangerous woman. I love It's that. a cool thing. It's a very cool <laughs> thing. I think that's a, a fantastic concept. Oh, so where do I even begin? Um, well, I, I was I had, was going to have a big marketing career in London. That was that was where I was off to. Stay away. Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, that's what I was going to do. And I'd, I I was working in PR and marketing when I first left university. And then I met my husband to be, who is or at that time was training to. Uh, fly fast jets, and so of course no one flies Harriers out of London City Airport. So I had to rapidly change direction. Did what I thought all good RAF wives do, um, and did my teacher training. So I did a spell of um, teaching very small children, early years, which was was lovely and 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 wonderful being with the kids, but probably not my my forte if the truth be told. Um, and then as as we got posted around and about, my career got rapidly more deteriorated with my CV began to look like an absolute you know, mess. No one could make any sense of it. You know, we were moving every two years, and that's really tough as a as a military spouse. Um, and we ended up um, on the island of Anglesey, out in the Irish beautiful. Sea. Beautiful, beautiful, Remote, remote. <laughs> very little, very little by way of job opportunities out yeah. there. And of course, if you teach, you don't, and, I, and you don't speak Welsh, you can't work. So that was that was my second career down the pan. So how did that feel at the time? Well, I suppose I was in a phase of life where I was. We, were, we had two very small children, right. um, so I, t- I took a took a career break and was a stay-at-home mum, which, again, I'm probably not predisposed to be a stay-at-home mum um, either. I think,
0: so neither was I, and <laughs> I think there's a fallacy that all women are just brilliant with, it doesn't mean you don't love your children, Yes. but I, you know, playing with small children is possibly oh. one of the most tedious things I've ever done in oh, my life, was, and I, yeah. I found them so much pleasurable as they got older, so I think, it's message to a lot of mums out there, yes. lots of us don't feel... Like we're earth mothering the hell out of it all the time. No,
1: I think that's absolutely right. And and I was really bored by all the laundry and the well, you know the endless endless. My husband does all. Oh, well, well, actually, I have to say, mine does a lot of that too. Yeah. Um, you know the the laundry and the food, all the food production, you know, all of that. So, um, I, and what happened while we were on Anglesey was we ended up having a holiday with our two guys who were under the age of two by that stage. Um, and we rented a cottage in France, and. Cutting a long story short, Barnaby, our eldest, fell into an unenclosed swimming pool um, in the garden. Terrifying. Really terrifying. And a massive sliding door moment for us as a family. Um, we were one of the lucky ones. We we, we got him out um, very, you know, relatively... And he was fine. He was fine, yes. For all the listeners, he is fine. <laughs> um, but... It was one of those things that went through my head. Well, why is the travel industry not dealing with families with small children? There are so many of us out there. You only need to walk down Putney High Street to see the scale of, of motherhood out there. Um, and why isn't travel travel industry answering this problem um, and then on the supply side so if you look at villas or hotels they can rent out all their accommodation hand over fist in July and August but then it's empty so it seemed really obvious to me that there was a massive gap in the market or an opportunity to really do something special for mums and dads and families with small kids and and to really fill up some of that vacant um, inventory and indeed that went that went brilliantly we started with a small cluster of um, properties in. Uh, Holiday properties in France, um, and then that through PR um, and my experience with writing press releases that went to Italy, Spain, Portugal, the Balearics, etc., etc. And we grew and we grew and we grew. um, And um, sometimes I mean, it
0: was also because I know because I helped you on this product. It was a beautiful product.
1: Oh, thank you. Which I
0: think, and one of Wendy's skills, and she's not talking about, is branding and finding the white space and the storytelling. Which I think I know this is it was a husband and wife business, but I think. This was such a woman-powered business as well. I think it's really interesting. Yeah,
1: it, it really it really came from a space of of being the being the customer ultimately, mm. and and knowing how I wanted to be dealt with as a customer, knowing what level of service I wanted, what level of you know all the the, the Elements of trust that I wanted, so I put all that effort into it. Um, I I think customer service is a real opportunity to to create um, a unique a unique point of view um, and a new unique approach. And so I felt very strongly that all our properties needed to be visited, and so we could speak to our customers with that degree of authentic- authenticity and trust. Um, and and so it, it grew like that. And then by 2016, I was beginning to see that there were issues. the 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 internet has basically commodified. All sorts of things, including hotel rooms. So most of us are all selling the same, exactly the same product. You know, you can buy one hotel room on hotel beds or, yeah. or Booking.com or whatever. Um, and so what I and I realised that as a small business, we were never going to solve that problem. Um, so I created a resort concept. Um, And started to carve out areas of other people's resorts that we could put under our own brand. I got investment into business to do that, and that was really what propelled our growth. We were growing sixty-five percent. We had a a big team. We had an eight-figure revenue. All the sorts of things that you know are the tick if you're a founder: tick investment, tick team, tick you know high high growth rates. And then of course, COVID came along and just killed the whole thing overnight. It was the most traumatic experience. Ever been through, um, and in terms of you know in terms of resilience and and personal resilience, gosh, there's an awful lot I've learned about that. Um, I then went and worked for Thomas Cook, the new Thomas Cook sat on the senior team, um, and was head of product development, which in is not the digital product; it's hotel concepts, really. So I was developing hotel concepts, um, but realised um, that I, I'm really not a corporate beast, um, really missed my tribe of entrepreneurs and people doing, you know, exciting new things and 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 um, learning. There's such a spirit of learning within the entrepreneurial world. So I came out of that. Um, Actually, can I, I'm yes, interested about that too.
0: You, when you say corporate, again, um, thinking about what, you know, empowered women at work, mm-hmm. do you think you love the, do you think your love of being drawn to entrepreneurs that's a ma- magnetic pull is, is your sort of female gaze and did you find thomas cook overwhelmingly male or am i imposing something that didn't
1: no i mean actually my entrepreneurial world is well just because just because of the dint of we we're, we're still as women really quite underrepresented mm. in the entrepreneurial world so my my cadre of friends and my tribe is is probably more weighted in in men rather than women although I'm very very pleased to say that over the 20 years that I've been an entrepreneur there are so many more women and it's a wonderfully a wonderfully warm and collaborative environment um so I think I think it was the more the spirit of freedom and choice and creativity and um Doing the agi- agility and doing things quickly and testing something and then moving on. I found it very. I found corporate life to be quite slow. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't keen on the politics of it all. Um, I'm not a political beast. I just want to make things happen. Um, and so I think it was. It was a lot of that that um, that that pulled me back to my back to my my tribe. There's a lot
0: to be said about being uncorporate. I yes. think it's, a, it's the new way of being corporate.
1: And I suppose <laughs> I'm, I am by definition. Um, disruptive and innovative and although organizations say they want that I think in reality they don't really know what that means and actually they don't perhaps want it when they see it close mm-hmm. at hand they need it but they don't really get it and so I think maybe maybe they didn't trust me quite so much because I am a I'm an unusual person <laughs> I got I'm an outlier I can't <laughs> put it any other way
0: not that unusual but I know exactly uh, yeah. what you mean you, you you're drawn to mavericks, I think, yes, and doing things I in a new so. way. Yeah, I
1: think so. I like, I love the term maverick. I, I, yes. Fits in
0: well with your husband Rob, the uh, fighter pilot. Oh yes, of course. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Work that in carefully. So sorry. Yes. Yeah. So you, so tots, tots to travel. Yes. are a yes. Wonderful baby. It really was a wonderful it, thing. It was so like losing a child. You had to dig deep, I guess.
1: Yep, and reinvent myself. You know, because actually, the what goes third time? fourth yeah. Time now. We we're oh, yeah, up to however yeah. many. Um, yes, reinvent myself. I mean, I think. You know, you have so much of your identity wrapped up in your work, whether you like it or not. Particularly when you've created something from scratch. You know, I, I, you know, everything. You know, I was doing lots of podcasts. I was, you know, my, I was, I was fated. You know, it was, yes, it was a I wonderfully, know. Mm. you know, I, I was some, I was a somebody, and yeah. then when something fails you go back to being a nobody. And um, that was, that may sound egotistical. You've got to rediscover who you are and what you stand for and what your values are, as well as bringing yourself back. You know, you've got to get back. It's like playing snakes and ladders. You know, we mm-hmm. were at 99, we were at square 99 and we went down that sorting big snake in the middle. Um, and you know, we're, we're back to back to square one and that's a hard old journey. And now with this, with the benefit of hindsight, you know you're naive in the beginning and that's what keeps that spirit of optimism going and then with the, with when you can see how quickly the rug can be pulled from under your feet you know how big that mountain is to get back up now you know arguably with the, with experience you can do that more quickly but you don't you can't always see that you can't always see, it's not clear when you come out of something what the next part is going to be. So so yeah, so I've, I've done quite a lot of consultancy. I work with travel businesses, um, helping them to work at, clarify their proposition, um, travel concepts. I'm working with a lady at the moment who's, she's do, she's working on a detox retreat in Africa so that's quite cool. Wow. So all sorts of you know, I, I suppose I've, I've, I've been having grown a business um, to eight figures, I can do a lot of things I can see business from a different way um, and and so I've done, done that but the thing that I'm really really passionate about at the moment and I think is right for this era is um, the business that I've set up with my husband which is called Impact Resilience, you know call it a VUCA volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous Era that we're in, call it shit show if you like, whatever you want to call it. We Let's are go now, shit show. yeah. Well, we are in a different world, aren't yeah. we? Um, and um, and what we're what we're really saying is that this era needs a new type of leadership. You know, gone are the days of a, of a, a, a steadfast growth manifesto. We now really need to be looking at building resilience within businesses, whilst at the same time as looking um, for the opportunities. These sort of ambidextrous. Um, you call it something like anticipatory leadership. Anticipatory.
0: I think they're exactly
1: the same thing. Yes,
0: it's, it's multiple way, multiple futures that you're working towards. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, and it's and it's so important. So impact resi- resilience is really about helping business owners to look at the, the 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 processes that are in their business. That if that got wiped out, what would you do? What so next? if you make biscuits and your key process for making the cream within the custard cream gets gets wiped out either because of a cyber attack or your factory gets burnt down or whatever what is it you are going to do and those re- in in Business continuity terms—it's called business continuity management. Um, I, I, I call it risk management because I think that's that's far easier for the rest of us who don't really know these processes to understand. We are going to need to stop and look at the resilience in our businesses and really concentrate on that. So we're we're working um, across across the, the across the spectrum with blue chip businesses right down to SMEs, and of course that comes back to my heart heart ground um, of of dealing with SMEs. We've got 4.9 million SMEs in this country. That's a massively important. important Mm -hmm. sector of our economy it's the
0: backbone
1: backbone of our economy absolutely and we and and they by and large there are some but by and large the majority do not have any risk and resilience built into their businesses and they are by definition quite um you know there, there are single points of failure because what happens if the founder goes what happens if the key person who knows how the tech falls over you know there are key risks um and and that that's really um that's really driving me at the moment. It feels after our experience at, at um, Tots, it feels like a really meaningful direction to go in. It feels like what the world needs right now. Um, and more and more as I've got older, I want to really be doing something meaningful. I don't want to be doing something that, and most part of the problem with with, with travel is that I don't want to be selling another commodity at not very, you know, making a eight percent margin on a really boring hotel room actually I want to be doing something that really makes a difference to people and this feels very very important um, which is why you at Selby Anderson and, and us at Impact Resilience have joined up to create hashtag Resilient Britain which is all about getting this message out about this era about this need for different leadership about this focus on resilience um, and, and about the fact that we do need to be doing something slightly different.
0: in the background and I know you've got a very close family but Mm -hmm. beyond that Mm -hmm. you you touched on it a little bit but how how important your network was to you throughout all of this and did was that network do you think people treated you differently because you were a woman or a working mother or did they just see an entrepreneur how did you feel about that
1: I think um, my network, you don't realise how important your network is until the chips are down.
0: And do you think, just before we move on, do you think women are better at tapping into their networks
1: and therefore perhaps have resilience built in? Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know. I can't speak for. for, for, Just uh, speak for you. Just for me. (laughs) I I know that I know that one of my superpowers is my network. Yeah. Me too. and building my network and i come to every day with a generosity of spirit that that wants to give and it is not because there's any hidden agenda it's just because that's how i'm built i'm built to give back and i think when when you've put that level of investment i suppose if you put it in crude terms into your network your network is there for when you need it and i didn't really i'd never really given it very much thought as to how as to you know how important your network is when the chips are down and some people some people it was a bit like a death actually some people said oh Wendy I didn't want to get in touch with you after um tots because I didn't really know what to say and I didn't know what you'd need and and so on and so I didn't hear from anybody for for some people for a very long time other people were brilliant at rallying round and I would say particularly women were amazing my female my female um crew crew are just are just the best um i just i think i think um i have got a group of women who are group, groups i'm i'm i have whatsapp groups with who are all founders and that's a particularly special group of women you know there's a there's a very strong collaborative spirit through that group because um, because maybe they're built that way because yeah. they understand that they understand that building a business is really all about relationships and you know i, I we were talking before we started about the mother's load didn't we and whether we're better whether we're better whether we're inbuilt for this you know for from a resilience perspective and I just know for myself that if I've got a problem, I can always find somebody to help me out you know my, my solution is always to ask more questions to always to go and have a coffee with someone always go and pick somebody else's brain and by by extension I'm very happy for people to do that to me and, and for everybody knows that so I my, do you
0: think there's a we would it's actually in one of our previous podcasts mm-hmm. is that general or the need for generosity in yeah. networking what however that manifests yeah. I'm not talking about going into a big room with lots of people even because that's yeah. not what networking is only and that it, it, it it's the Tightness of the bonds comes from the generosity of sharing your network, of being available, Mm -hmm. of saying yes, I can talk to you for five minutes. And I think, I think, I am not sure, but I think that's a uh, one of a of a women's network's superpowers because I think we're unafraid to ask because we have to ask all the time. Yes, we're always creating bonds and forging because whether we have to do it for ourselves or our families. So I just think that's really interesting how you talk that you've got these founders groups that are intertwined be- through generosity of sharing yeah your net- I mean I always love to share my network I'm exactly the same I, I, love, just, it. I love it. it is my superpower often yeah. I think these people. Uh, well that and that's I, why you we- and I get on so I know
1: well.
0: <laughs> 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 that we move through the world connect nothing brings me more pleasure than connecting people and something coming from it yes and and there is no commercial sometimes there's commercial gain from it right. but you know that isn't always my intent and I think that's I wonder if that's a uniquely or peculiarly female perspective. I don't know. I think. I, I mean, I, there is an old boys' network, so I know it exists. Yes. But they do it very differently from us, yes. I think.
1: I th- I, and it's interesting because when I started in 2006, um, there was virtually no female entrepreneurs. I mean, no. yeah, at that point, what I was looking at, you know, who were the role models? They were Anita Roddick, really. Who um, was... Dead yeah, in 2006. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. but she, you someone I'd grown up with. I mean, no, I know, I know. Body shop. Tra- so
0: sorry, she's the body shop. Everybody, oh, yes. in case you can't remember, yes, goodness amazing female amazing. entrepreneur and
1: probably, probably, you know, one of the very few. Um, I mean, an all heart, wasn't all she? She was very heart. right
0: on into sustainability. So she was and really her, pioneering. And
1: other people like you know Tracy Edwards, who who sailed the maiden voyage. Oh yes. You Know we were really having to scrap around for, for, yes. for very brilliant, um, female role models, um, who were out, out there doing something amazing. And so, when I started TOTS, I was on my own. I mean, I was I, there were very, very few other women uh, around and about, and we weren't, um, and the networks weren't really there. LinkedIn is now much more, um, much bigger than it, it was, so there weren't the online networks. Um, so yeah, very, very early days. So, probably a lot of this has been helped by the internet, um, and then now. Now it's a much more even field, I would say, and I think women are working very collaboratively. Um, but then I do, you know, I do love my networks and I do love, I do love exactly like you, introducing people, I don't want anything back. Um, if it, You know, I just believe in karma. It'll come if it, you know... I call it the karma or, principle. It all you put swings it out there. roundabouts. Yeah. It'll all come round in yeah. the end.
0: Would, would you... Mind talking a bit about so the moment that you knew that Tots wasn't going yeah. to go forward anymore. Mm. And I don't want to mm. dwell on that because yep. that was tough. But what what did you personally, and because you can only talk to you, I guess. What mm. do you think you drew on to help you get back up and move <gasps> forward? I mean, I've been through a similar-ish thing yeah. recently where I've had yeah. to put one foot in front of the other yeah. every day. And I sometimes just think it's fucking
1: oh, determination
0: just, that makes you do it. I,
1: know. I think... Um, what did you draw on? What did I draw on? I drew on um well, I realised I was not a leader for win- the winters of our lives. I am a I'm a leader for the for the summers and the springs. Um, my husband, by contrast, is a very good leader in the winter. Okay. So, so, so do you mean you you
0: you like everything to be good? He's good at I'm about crisis growth.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah. about growth. I'm about uh, creativity. I'm about you know what amazing thing can we do next? And and how does how you know how can we serve customers better? How can we serve our teams better? So You're looking to the
0: horizon all the time. Yeah,
1: all about the future. And so in, at that point when you can't really see the future it becomes a very dark day and I so I I was very grateful for all the um all the personal development that I'd done I had done I have meditated for years which sounds very earnest but I couldn't don't think I could do without it I took I I took I adopted um I adopted a, a, a deep breathing um, schedule which I still do and very grateful to a lady called Nikki Owen who who introduced me to to them. very oh, it's, it's very so grounding good. very grounding mine is long walks long walks mm. yeah long walks and it's a meditative essentially Yeah, so physical ed, phys- mm. yeah. so exercise eating eating well we started to we t- started a plant-based diet i suppose at, at that point i was yeah. looking at all the things that i can do and i what i realized is in my personal development i just had to double down so i had to double down on the gratitude i had to double down on the breathing i had to double down on the exercise just doubled down on all the things that I know. And and like you say, you know, putting one foot in front of the other is hard graft when you're feeling low, isn't it? And then um, I I guess what I did was reached out to my network and, you know, can I, what can I do? Can I, are there investors out there? Of course, all the travel investors dried up and indeed travel is not really a highly investable industry at the moment, even now. Um, I, I, I went and got a job, which... Um, sort of solved the financial challenge um, and then I and then I started kind of so I so I was there for 10 months and then I suppose I started to feel a bit better I sp- started to regain my sense of identity I started to see a bit of a horizon we'd come out of Covid which I found very tough for obvious reasons so yeah so I so it was really about it was really about um, my personal development about Really looking after myself and concentrating on on myself, and and then just okay. So what? Where are there opportunities? And I suppose I started to scratch away at the opportunities and and see 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 where there are see where there are things going on. Um, and I started to get back into travel businesses. So in my consultancy, that sparked a light. You know, I love yeah. love my love my travel. You know, my tra- particularly travel founders. They're doing such cool stuff. Um, it's
0: probably time for a reinvention. Yes, of travel. Uh,
1: I, well, I think that was partly what I was thinking at Thomas Cook is that we really need to be looking at w- what what consumers need from us in a post-COVID world. I think we are profoundly changed. Um, I think it was happening anyway, but I think it's you know it's 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 augmented the speed turbocharged, turbocharged, yeah. and I think we are looking as human beings for meaning and impact in our work. Um, and anybody where there's a workplace culture, a, a problematic workplace culture, I think I think focusing on the the meaningful and impactful thing that your business does is really, really critical to articulate. Um, and so that's that's a really important part.
0: So if resilience, which is what I think it is, and I think you've described it, it mm-hmm. is about planning and practising for multiple future scenarios, and that means a multi-headed beast digging down in several areas across a business, And personally, that's exactly what you're doing. So you picked up, I know you call it breadcrumbing, but (laughs) lots of different trails that move forward in parallel. And I wonder, as women... Um, maybe particularly as mothers, but I, I'm not sure that's the case. So, yeah. you know, thousands yeah. of voices can yell back at me. Yeah. I'm a mother, so I can only speak as, as that. Mm-hmm. The minute they're born, you're multitasking from the minute that goes. Oh, so yeah. we talked to, you know, for whether it's planning school lunches, you know, get to school on time. Uh, can you yourself get your work to time? Are you making sure that your partner is picking up what they need to do? Is are the bills getting blah, 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 So there's a million tracks going on at any one point. It's called the mother's load. We talked about it earlier. It is a thing. Mm-hmm. Look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, But I wonder, therefore, are women in this new era of post-Covid change? I've started to call it the era of great change. (laughs)
1: Um, I like that. Great optimism. Yeah, great. I like change. I like change. I get bored. But are
0: women and their multitasking skills particularly primed to move us forward? I hope, so.
1: um, I hope so. I hope so. I really hope so. I mean, I, I I suppose I can only speak for myself. I mean, I'm forever horizon gazing. You know, whether it's looking around because I know that I'm going to be the one that has to buy the presents for the kids or godchildren or whatever. I'm forever scanning scanning the horizon to see see what's out there. I think we are better. I mean, because if you know if if it is all about relationships, it is all about being able to plan, being able to being able to to just think ahead a little bit. I think we are probably really good at it.
0: Um, So one hopes that we seize this moment where uh, our brains are particularly wired for the kind of, and I don't even talk about leadership actually, but across the board, the kind mm -hmm. of future thinking that we need because we're sort of hardwired to deliver that because it's been built into us from the get-go and let's take something that perhaps was the load and turn it into, as you say, an opportunity moving forward, which I think is... Really exciting.
1: Yes, it is. It is. It is exciting. We've 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 got to put some groundwork in to sort out to make sure we don't fall over when the crises hit. No, I agree. Because that. that I'm
0: not saying get rid of men. By the way, I just say that our brains are just seem to be really. perfect for the yeah. roles that we need ahead of us.
1: Yes, I think so. I think so. If we have strong networks and we are strong in ourselves and we are able to see the different opportunities, you know, the different pathways that the different issues there might be, the the different pathways there might be that 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 whole that holds holds well for me, I think.
0: Yeah, me too. And also teams um and we all, you know, whether our teams are teams of 2 mm-hmm. or teams of 2 million, mm-hmm. um you know, they need to be balanced. And I think um it's about lifting up the skills of women to redress some of that balance a bit in, and to have the skills that we bring recognised for the uniqueness that they bring yes. alongside the unique skills that men have as well. So it's absolutely not about, but I think, you know, it's got a, we've got our chance to, I mean, the horrible phrase, lean in. Uh, it's used across this podcast all the time, but yeah. it's it's used a lot because it means, right, it's our time to lean in and say, our skills are ready. You know, use our skills because we, we got this. Yes. We've been doing it for a long time. Yes,
1: I, I would totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's
0: exciting so we talked loads about resilience and I have you know we know that you're a a husband and wife team which I think is fantastic and you bring very different skills you know physically emotionally and professionally to the place but do you think you and Rob um, handle resilience differently or see it differently yeah
1: really differently I have to um, so if you look at our personality profiles and you lay one on top of the other we are brilliantly balanced. We have we cover the whole circle or whatever shape, whichever profile you're using, we cover the whole lot. Which Let's not
0: define it by a circle. It's, Amorphous so, globe. And amor- whatever, <laughs> whatever
1: one you use. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just in terms of our skill sets, we're, we're very, we're very well placed. I have to spend an inordinate amount of time on my own kind of well-being just to keep the show on the road. Um, you know, I ha- He, he seems he's so balanced. He seems to just sort of breeze through life takes everything in his stride doesn't get worked up about very much doesn't need you know falls asleep the minute his head hits the pillow doesn't seem to need to do any of the meditation and stuff that I need to do whereas i i need to do all of that you know just getting to sleep is a kind of like 10 step
0: well, okay, scenario. Preach. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know.
1: really. I mean, I, I, I look at him and he, and he's he's put his head on the pillows and he's already sort of deep deeply asleep. Like, how did you do that? You know, it takes me it takes me half the evening to prepare to go to sleep just to give myself the fighting chance of going to sleep. Well, um, my, um, and so so yes, he's he's very he's very different. He's just very calm, very balanced. Always has the right thing to say at the right time. I'm much more of a sort of. You know, lots of energy, and then I'm like, I suppose a bit like a puppy. Then I run out of energy, and then I have to sort of regroup and come back, come back at it again. So we're, we're very well, very well matched, and and I, what we love working together. We're deeply respectful of each other's skill sets, um, and I just feel it's an incredible privilege to be able to work together as well as we do.
0: Oh, that is amazing. It is amazing. I've seen you in tandem, and it's an impressive show. And I think it's not that easy to work with a partner. Mm. Always. So, are there any secrets that you think to making that work?
1: I think I, I. think you know he isn't massively egotistical, so I don't need to. You know, I don't need to sort of pander, pander no. or stroke his stroke his ego. Um, I think we it, we had an aha moment. When we did our personality profiles, because I think up until that point the things I did used to probably irritate him, and the things he did would irritate would irritate me. So I would wake up in the morning and go, "Oh, you know what? I think we need to do the next big shiny thing." Would be X, Y, and Z, and the poor man hadn't even had a coffee and a shower yet, you know. And already I was sort of up and at it. My brain was pinging, and then and and I learnt that he is much more of a how person, and so that all these big new ideas that I think are wonderful, he just sees a hundred. trillion questions and reasons why that won't happen and until he realized and I realized where we were so different um we were coming at it from two you know from two different as two very different people as we began to understand each other's profiles and understand each other and how we could be much more collaborative together that really worked and we were able to meet much more in the middle
0: and and then, do you have tricks for switching off once work is done, or because oh, you're Wendy, do you just work twenty four seven?
1: No, I don't work twenty four seven. I I can't work beyond nine o'clock, or else I don't sleep. And then and That's then quite late. I don't work
0: beyond nine o'clock.
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, and I suppose I don't work. I don't work that late, but it. But I know I can't. I, I struggle to sleep if I work. Yeah. So I, I tend to stop at around six, I guess. Mm. Um, and sometimes because we're all working from home now, I, I have to I, Rob Rob. So Rob says, well, Wendy, I think we're going to need to go out and get some exercise." So I've found that I've done zero steps in the day. So I, go, I do go out for a walk if I can. Um, I
0: you segue between work and yes, home, I mean, I guess. yes, I yeah. suppose.
1: And then, and then, my I mean, then around bedtime, I have to have to have a bath, have to to take lots of magnesium lots of Epsom salts lots of meditation you know this whole sort of steps to calming my brain down because it is a bit it is a bit turbo powered at that time of night
0: I guess the one of the it's interesting and somebody needs to crack it but one of the problems of thinking in parallel tracks all the time which most women do is that you need some sort of runway to come down off at at night where you cool it down and ready prepare yourself to just be you and in the moment which is tough So one thing we love to ask all the guests on the Dangerous Women Collective podcast is their hints, tips, thoughts, observations, whatever you've got to say about networking. So uh, Sam, my co-founder, and I started the Dangerous Women Collective because we hate networking. Mm -hmm. I literally used to feel that I would walk into a room and explode because, you know, you'd have this room full of suits and you'd have to navigate your way through it. And interestingly, I was talking to a girlfriend the other day, uh, an old part of my network, and uh, I was saying... I used to go to these travel networking events and I used to, my way around not enjoying it was to p- look at my phone and, and surf the edge of the room, which <laughs> is a terrible get out of it. And she said, Sophie, if you'd ever looked up from your phone, you'd see 90% of the men in the room doing the same yes. thing. So I think we yes. all don't like networking. Yes. I think it's a slightly broken system, which I think the Dangerous Women's Collective is our rather fabulous answer to. But how do you find it? And are there any get outs that you have, hints and tips suggestions I mean obviously I know you have a powerful network but mm-hmm, there's a difference mm-hmm. between a network and networking mm-hmm. I think
1: so you're talking about meeting people for the first time yes
0: networking I that awful have, fishing yeah, for people I think
1: <laughs> you have to find your tribe find yeah. it, find the people who, who who float your boat I remember walking into when I very first started the business I walked into a networking event which was in a on a barge in Peterborough and the barge was horrible it was it was a pub and you stuck to the floor and there were a lot of you know, grey old men, and, and the first person I spoke to made rubber stamps. I was like, "Gosh, is that even a thing still?" You know, and I just thought, looked around. and I, I thought, "I just can't stay here." But by contrast, the Dangerous Women Collective is is, is a breeze because it's so so welcoming and warm, and made by know, women for
0: women, highly
1: collaborative. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is just it was just it was just a breath of fresh air. I I'm, I'm doing something now because. Um, Impact resilience is is much more part of part of our our campaign is is a grassroots campaign yeah. to get is to get SMEs um to to adopt the resilience strategies. I am networking it in a, in a in a at a local level in a way that I've never done before, and I am finding it much easier. I I mean I was at an event yesterday. I was the only woman.
0: How was that? It was either fabulous or awful. Uh, <laughs> Odd.
1: It's just odd, isn't it? Yeah. It is odd. Um, but it was warm and it was friendly. And, I, and, and I, I guess people, I think it's not as bad as it was in the old days. Um, no,
0: I, I agree. I think, I mean, one of the keys to networking like that for me is you don't have to stick with the women. Yes. Or the only other person who happens yes. to be your age. Yes. But also I think it's critical to give ourselves permission to leave. Yeah. If it's not any good, you don't have to stay till the end of these things. If you're not, That's, as you say, if you're not, it's not your tribe, if you're not going to get anything from yeah, it, yeah. don't put yourself through the pain. A friend of mine once told me that you don't have to finish a book, Sophie, if you don't like it. I know. And the freedom that that gave me. Yes. And I say, I give us all freedom to leave networking if it doesn't suit our needs. <laughs> That's a very good piece of advice. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I yes, I think you're right. They they are, they can be just quite gruesome, can't they? And um, And we do just stick it out. But you're absolutely right. We should just walk out. Walk out uh, politely. I mean, yes. I mean, I'm not saying not fuck leave, you and run. We, we don't can not need to leave yeah. with a flourish. Yeah, we yeah, can do no, it, yes. yeah, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs>
0: well, finally, to wrap up the podcast, I love to ask. We love to ask all our guests mm-hmm. about stories, their moments of of triumph or tribulation, and whatever they might be. And I know, as a female founder um, who has sought funding. Um, you must have some stories in this area that uh, that you you could share with us uh, to either inspire or give advice to other female potential future female founders yes. listening to this.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, I think you just have to fo- you have to follow that warm feeling in your tummy that if something feels right and you're being pulled in that direction, just Follow it. I call it breadcrumbing. Follow it to the next point, next point. I think finding investment is really undoubtedly more difficult for women than it is for men. Without a shadow of a doubt, and the stats are pretty shocking. The stats, are sh- the stats are shocking. They're somewhere between two and five percent of um, investment goes into female-founded businesses. And this is a,
0: ser- you know, yeah. seed funding, yeah, right? Yeah, so It's
1: just, yeah. just, um, just ridiculous. Um, and and so I think one of the one of the the big challenges is that the investors are men, and so they don't actually. Necessarily understand female-led businesses and the kinds of biz- businesses that women are creating. So it does definitely lead to a lead to a to a, to this massive massive gap. So we need we need far 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 more women in um in the investment circles for sure. And there are some great women doing some triumphant stuff in that in that space. But we you know it's still very inequitable. Um. So I yeah. So I, d- I don't know whether I answered your question. Well, I just, you
0: did. I wonder. So. So one of the answers to you know a Mm -hmm. the stats are woeful. Mm -hmm. B we need more women investors or at least women in investment houses who can help connect the opportunity to the money. Yes. But what did you do? Because you got you got the investment with Tots, didn't you? That you needed. So how do you think you overcame? How did you become outside the stats? Outside. Or did you throw Rob at the problem? (laughs) No, I didn't. No, 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 good. No, no, I didn't. Go, girl. (laughs) Um,
1: I think because I understood. So we we were we were just about to sign a second round of investment actually when when the pandemic arrived. So so I mean I'm, I feel very sure that that would have gone ahead. Yes. I understood that in the the thing that drives investors is the word certainty yeah. and proof. So two words. So I set about. Proving certainty and proof in every aspect of the of the information I, I put out to the world, um, and then I then I le- land you know then I layered on some flair and color and you know a joyous brand and all this yes certainty and proof whether that's testimonials that's got to be data it's got to be um, other people say this you know uh, what do your suppliers say what do your customers say what do your numbers say just layer on proof and certainty proof and certainty every single turn.
0: and do you think it's interesting I'm reading this incredible book called The Authority Gap mm-hmm. by uh, Mary Ann Seacart. and in that she interviews you know some of the most powerful senior women in the world you know um, uh, judges and leaders of universities and advisors to politicians and politicians etc etc and a lot of these women say and it's just what you said resonated with me that they go into every meeting that they've got even though they're the most senior person in that room over prepped like prepped to the eyeballs with the information that they need they've stayed up the night before reading everything way more than anybody of any other gender around the table probably has done um, because they feel constantly they need to be on top of the stats, the facts, the everything, to have the authority that they need in the room. And I wonder if your if your uh, double mantra there speaks to that as too. Do you think men looking for, ma- male-led businesses looking for funding have that same issue? I mean,
1: I think the the depth of the depth of preparation goes down to you know how we look how you know do we look right do we look too do we look too slutty do we look professional do we look which is a terrible terrible thing actually because we should be able to look however, however we want, we want. Yeah. yeah so so I think that you know there is a level of preparation that happens as a woman that is is different if you're if you're a man um, the the thing I have always the thing I the thing that I think I've always, always really had, really been conscious of is that people are buying into me and my energy. Mm-hmm. You know that when when investors are investing, they're looking for the certainty and proof, and they're looking for somebody who's investable. And so I understand that I need more than anything. Whichever room I'm in, whether it's my team, whether it's whether it's um, investors, whether it's suppliers, they're buying into me and they're buying into my in, into my energy. And so for me. I put a lot of work into managing my energy, and, and mm. we've talked about some of my some of my rit- rituals, I suppose, that I do to to maintain that. Um, that is what I keep. That is what I have to what, have to really keep high. Um, and you know, I had a, a member of, a member of the team who lived in France, and she'd come back to the office and she'd say, oh, "Wendy, I just needed a dose of your energy." And it was almost like you know, she plugged me into an intravenous drip, transferred all my energy <laughs> to her, and I, I then have to go and I feel like there's a
0: vampire somewhere. in this yeah, story, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it, but it is it's it's it, it, running and growing a business is a, it requires so much energy, yeah. and it requires you to influence an awful lot of people, and you're only going to be able to influence those people. If you've got something that's compelling and you've got the energy to to really bring people on that journey with you and so that's that's the thing that I really guard
0: I guess that's genderless
1: it's genderless but I don't know how people how many other people are doing that consciously
0: yeah interesting Wendy, thank you so much for everything. I'd love people to tap into your energy all the time. So how can they find you?
1: Oh well, they should definitely. We've talked a lot about networks, so they should definitely tap me up on LinkedIn, and um, I'm just under Wendy Shand, um, and have a have a little look at um, the work we're doing on Impact Resilience, and particularly the um, Resilient Britain campaign um, that we're doing with Selby Anderson. And- so
0: just, uh, what's the Impact Resilience URL?
1: Uh, www.impactresilience.com
0: Thank you so much for being here it's been an absolute joy to talk to you on mic instead of just in the pub (laughs) about what you're doing and it's always fantastic to see you Wendy thank you so much
1: Sophie thank you so much for having me it's been such a pleasure
0: Thank you so much to Wendy for chatting with us today. It is so inspiring to hear the stories of resilient women and the seemingly insurmountable obstacles they've overcome to bring their visions and goals to life. I found our conversation, as I always do with Wendy, so powerful, and hopefully you did as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dangerous Women podcast. To learn more, find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, or at dangerouswomencollective.com.